Good evening. It's good to have everyone here this evening. We're going to start off with uh, Be With Me, Lord. Let us sing. Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without Thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need thy strength to lean myself upon. Be with me, Lord, and then if dangers threaten, if storms of trial burst above my head, if flashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart afraid. Be with me, Lord, when loneliness o'ertakes me. When I must weep amid the fires of pain, and when shall come the hour of my departure, for worlds unknown, O Lord, be with me After a couple of verses of this song, we'll go to our Father in prayer. I don't know who holds tomorrow. <clears throat> Let us sing. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its clouds may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know that Jesus said, And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know it's tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood, but his presence 
just goes before me, and I'm covered with his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know it's tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Let's pray together. Our God in heaven, thank you for giving us today. And uh, at this moment, we thank you for this really pretty weather and the chance to get out here and, and visit with each other and, and worship you together. We thank you for this and for, for all the opportunities like this. We thank you for giving us life and for taking care of us and we thank you so much that you care about us and, and care for each of us individually. We ask that you'll guide us as we live every day. Um, There's so many things that come up, distractions and challenges of, of one kind or another, temptations that come our way. We ask that you'll give us strength and give us wisdom and courage. We ask for your, your help in everything. And we, we think about the folks among us that are sick and, and suffering that we know about. and We ask that you'll give them uh, uh, the peace and, the, and comfort that you know they need. We ask that you'll also help the uh, folks that have been affected by the, the flooding and the hurricanes and the who are trying to rebuild their lives. Again, we ask that you will guide and help us, help our nation, help each one of us. And in all things, we ask that your will be done. It's through Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before the scripture reading and the lesson tonight, we'll sing Our Heavenly Father Understands. <clears throat> Let us sing. I need the prayers of those who love me. I need the prayers of those who care. I need... Let's lower that just a little bit. I need the prayers of those who love me. I need the prayers of those who care. I need the help of every Christian to take God's message everywhere. He answers prayers for all the faithful. He holds the future in His hand. He'll guide us safely over Jordan. Our Heavenly Father understands. 
He'll hold your hand when you are dying. Give strength to cross the Jordan wide. He'll help you answer at the judgment. If in his love you will abide. He answers prayers for all the faithful. He holds the future in his hand. He'll guide us safely over Jordan. Our Heavenly Father understands. The scripture reading that Brother Haywood has chosen for the evening comes from 2 Corinthians. I'll let you get there with your technology or your printed word. We'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Wherefore, henceforth, know we have no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we have we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Good evening. What a... What a beautiful evening, what a cool evening. Uh, in fact, as I stand here by the door and feel the, the, the breeze from the air conditioner inside, it's almost a little chilly right here. Um, quite a difference from last week when I was up here pouring sweat. So, um, so glad that we can be out here and do this tonight. And uh, so grateful that, that God has blessed us with, with opportunities like this. <clears throat> one of my fondest memories growing up was wrestling matches with my dad and with my brother. And uh, we had the proper southern pronunciation of it. We had wrestling matches. They weren't wrestling matches. We had wrestling. And I remember my dad would come home from work and my brother and I would just ambush him. <laughs> he was totally unprepared and we would, we would jump on him and the living room was our arena, and the, we'd take the cushions off the couch, and we would uh, take the pillows off the bed, and we'd pretend they were folding chairs, and we'd crack them on, on his back, and, and we'd just go flying all over the place. And he would uh, grab me and my brother up under both arms, and he'd throw us onto the couch cushions, and he'd body slam us just like we'd seen on on tv and man it was so much fun to wrestle my dad and uh, my dad's killer submission move was called the claw and he would let you know that the claw was coming he would say uh, uh no one defeats the claw and then that claw would slowly move uh towards you until it got a hold of your face and once you were clawed that was over. The, the, the match was over. You were done because no one defeats the claw. 
And uh, I remember one day wrestling with my dad and with my brother, and he had uh, my, my brother down on the floor, and he was just about to go to that finishing move with the claw, and somehow I had wiggled loose, and he had forgotten about, forgotten about me. So I climbed up to the top rope, which was really just the, the top of the couch, and just like I had seen Hulk Hogan do on TV a hundred times, I jumped off that top rope and came down with the full force of my elbow right into my dad. And that's when I heard my dad make noises that no son should hear his father make. <laughs> and uh, I knocked the wind out of him. <laughs> and he, he made some sort of noise like, <laughs> and uh, not only did I knock the wind out of him, I actually, I actually broke a couple of his ribs. And uh, he tried to act like he wasn't hurt. He tried to act like he was okay because he didn't want to scare me and my brother. But wrestling was over for a couple of weeks after that while my dad healed. Um, and that was the one and only time that I beat my dad wrestling. And I'm I'm a little bit nervous that I've just given my children some ideas of, of how to wrestle now. And if I come back in a couple of weeks with broken ribs, you'll know why. Um, but over the years as I got older, I grew out of wrestling with my dad. But probably like most of you, when I got into my teen years, I started wrestling with my parents in a much different way. Um, I was, like most teens, trying to wrestle away some independence. They were trying to wrestle for my safety, and it was a struggle. And along the way, we dealt each other some pretty painful blows. We said things that, that we were really sad that we said. And life can feel a lot like a wrestling match at times, can't it? It's one of those wrestling matches too. It's the worst kind of wrestling match because it's that kind of wrestling match that's not enough to beat you. That's not enough to beat you into submission and make you give up, but it's bad enough that it's constantly there. And so we wind up wrestling and fighting the same opponent over and over again for years and years and years many times. We can't just shake that one thing we've been wrestling for so long. Why does it seem like I'm always wrestling with whatever? Why does it seem like I'm always wrestling with my, with my weight? Why does it seem like I'm always wrestling with my health? Uh, why does it seem like I'm wrestling with relationships in life or, or money or, or future or addiction? Why does it seem like I'm always wrestling with my career or my children or my marriage? Why does it feel like I'm always wrestling with my faith? In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is wrestling. We see Jacob wrestling, and at the beginning of the chapter, he's wrestling with a broken relationship with his brother Esau. And you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, the, the one where through deception, Jacob and his mother um, trick Isaac into bestowing the blessing upon uh, Jacob instead of the firstborn Esau, and it ruins the brother's relationship, ruins it. Um, and I can't imagine that. I, I cannot imagine what Jacob and Esau are going through. I have a, 
very good relationship with my brother. We don't get to see each other as much as we'd like to, but we, we talk quite a bit. In fact, we talked this afternoon. And I can't imagine a scenario where either one of us would hurt the other so badly that we couldn't talk at all, that we, that we couldn't have uh, a relationship. But Jacob's done that. Jacob, through selfishness and through deception, has soured the relationship with him and Esau so badly that they can't be around each other, that they can't even speak. And now in Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 33, Jacob is sending messengers uh, to Esau. Uh, It says, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I've sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Jacob saying, I want a relationship with you again, Esau. I'm tired of, I'm tired of wrestling. You're my brother and I'm sorry. And, and here's gifts. Here's things that I'm giving you to show you that I love you and want to have that relationship with you again. I will give anything to not have to wrestle this failed relationship anymore. And there are things in our life, I think, sometimes that we would give just about anything to not have to wrestle with anymore. And that's what Jacob's doing. He's ready to stop wrestling those feelings of guilt and and animosity towards his brother. He wants to bury the hatchet and go back to being a family again. He misses his brother. In verse 6, it says, The messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. So now Jacob's not just wrestling the the, the, the meeting with Esau or, or, or wrestling the broken relationship with Esau, but he's wrestling fear about, well, now Esau knows where he's at, and here he comes with 400 men, and that's slightly intimidating. And, and, and Jacob is afraid, um, and, he is, uh, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. Is Esau coming to get his revenge? And so Jacob splits the camp, and he says, half of y'all go that way, we're going to go this way because I don't want that way. At least if, if Esau comes and kills, he's only going to kill half of us. He's really concerned about this. So in verse 22, the same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So Jacob's wrestling this fear. Uh, He's wrestling concern over the safety of his family. He's wrestling a broken relationship with his brother. And now Jacob is actually wrestling a man. And all night he's struggling with this man. Uh, He he is wrestling with someone that he is so evenly matched with that neither one is overcoming the other. Neither one's able to get the upper hand and claim victory. Um, I can only imagine that Jacob does not know or fully understand the claw move that perhaps would have just won the the match for him. But in verse 25, when it says, The man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip 
was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? And, ja and he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Jacob was wrestling with God. And I think that there are some things that we can learn from this interaction that can help us in our own wrestling matches that we deal with in our life. The first thing is that wrestling requires intimacy. Now, I don't recommend that you go tell a high school wrestler that wrestling involves intimacy unless you really want a broken nose. I don't think they would take too kindly to that. But what I mean by wrestling, by, by intimacy, is you cannot wrestle with something or someone that you aren't close to, right? During COVID, when schools had to close down and go to remote, um, they were able to do a lot of things via Zoom. They were able to have a lot of classes via Zoom, but they were not able to have wrestling matches via Zoom. Um, you can't wrestle someone in Chattanooga if you're in Johnson City, can you? You can't wrestle someone who's down the hall from you. You can't wrestle with someone who's a few feet from you without engaging them, without becoming intimate, without uh, uh, grabbing your opponent to gain leverage and grappling with them. You have to be close to wrestle. So what's that mean for us? First, it means I can't wrestle God if I'm not close with God. And you've probably heard people say before, and maybe you've said, uh, I, I'm kind of wrestling with my faith right now. I'm kind of wrestling with God right now. And that's a good thing. We should, we should wrestle. We should struggle. We should grapple. That's a healthy thing to do. But there's a lot of people that are trying to wrestle God remotely. Uh, they, they don't want to get intimate with God. They don't want to uh, wrestle by studying the Word of God or, or speaking to God in prayer. And let me make this statement tonight. You can't wrestle with God if you don't give him a fighting chance. You want to wrestle with God, that's good. Get in his word and wrestle him. Challenge him, grapple, struggle, fight, misunderstand and figure it out. But don't try to wrestle remotely. Uh, listening to a godless professor pontificate on reasons that there is no God is not wrestling with God. Uh, reading a book that tells you why there is no God is not wrestling with God. It's not. Without engaging God into that wrestling match, that's not wrestling with God. That's wrestling with something else. Um, wrestling with your, your own feelings and you're laying out your own philosophy to say, well, I don't think a loving God would fill in the blank. Or uh, I, how, um, how could God do something like fill in the blank? That's not wrestling with God. That's wrestling with your own thoughts. Until you involve God into that wrestling match, until you involve His Word into the wrestling match, that's not wrestling with Him. And 
without you, you cannot wrestle with God if you don't give him a fighting chance. What you could do is is say uh, is dig in his word and say, God, why did you do that? You could dig into his word and use other sources to say, God, are you actually real? That's wrestling with God. But that requires too much effort for a lot of people. Um, instead of actually wrestling with God, they'd rather wrestle an imaginary opponent because that's an easy opponent to win against, right? We can build up this straw man who is this terrible, hateful, selfish being that would do all these terrible things and say, I can defeat that. I don't have to bring anything in, in backing to, to, to have that wrestling match and I can win. And we can defeat the imaginary opponent every time. And we can win every time in wrestling God if we don't actually wrestle him. The other thing I think we think that, that we learn about intimacy in wrestling is that I can't wrestle, I can't wrestle your problems until I make them my problems. And it can be very easy for us sometimes to Monday morning quarterback other people's issues, right? Um, uh, to, to, to look at someone else's lives and their decisions and, and their mistakes and uh, and, and decide, oh, this is, this is an easy fix, right? Um, but to jump in the ring and help them wrestle, that requires a lot more effort. It's much easier to wrestle remotely to say, well, if they would just do X, Y, Z, then everything would be all right. Well, can you believe her if, if I don't know why she doesn't just do this, this, and this, and then everything would be all right. But until we get into the fray, until we experience what some of these problems are that people are facing and say, hey, let me fight this with you and understand the depth of some of these problems and concerns and get intimate with people, it's really hard to help people wrestle their problems. It's really easy to do it when they're imaginary. It's really easy to fix someone else's problems from afar. Like, ah, I know what's wrong with you. Here's what you need to do. And you haven't spent any time getting to know them or their issue wrestling whether it be us with God or whether it be us with helping other people it always requires that intimacy I think the second thing we learn from Jacob wrestling is that wrestling is going to leave wounds uh, we know that from this instance Jacob injures his hip and there's many times when we wrestle that we're going to sustain injuries and if we're properly wrestling with God a lot of times it's going to be our pride that's injured and many times we have to swallow that pride and admit um, that I'm wrong and there's things that I need to change. But those injuries are going to allow for salvation. In Acts 27, Paul is being transported uh, across the Adriatic Sea to Italy along with uh, other prisoners. And Paul has already warned <laughs> that they should not embark on this journey that it's gonna to be too dangerous, but nobody listened to Paul. And sure enough, here comes the storm and they had to throw out all the ship's tackle and the men are scared. And so Paul stands up in verse 21. And it says in verse 21, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and have not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. 
And behold, God has granted you all uh, those who sell with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. And that's exactly what ends up happening. Uh, in the, by the end of the chapter, they run the ship aground in Malta, and all the men on the ship are spared uh, their lives. Of course, they lost the ship. And sometimes the wounds are very deep. And sometimes we lose the ship. We lose the vessel. And sometimes we lose everything. Uh, but God will save. Job lost everything, but God saved. Christians living in Rome, they, they lost their ability to buy in the marketplace. They lost their families. They lost their lives. And God saved and when we wrestle, we will obtain wounds. The world harbors so much animus for Christianity right now. Um, the world will tell us things that hurt. They will say things like, you are narrow-minded, you are stupid, you are hateful, uh, you are unloving. And those things hurt, especially when we're trying to be loving and not hateful. And and when the world says those things about God and His Word, it, it's hurtful. We thank God that we don't live in situations like other parts of the world where people can actually die for their faith right now, but one day we might be called to do that very thing. We might lose our body, but God will save. We might lose our pride, but God will save. We might lose our reputation. We might have people say so many awful things about us, but God will save. The wounds that we receive in this wrestle, will, we will obtain them, but God will absolutely save. The third thing I think we find out about Jacob is that wrestling can humble us into realizing unforeseen blessings. In chapter 33, it says, Jacob lifted up his eyes. So as soon as he finishes this, this wrestling match, he lifts up his eyes and he looked and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. Poor Jacob. He is spent. He spent all night wrestling, expending all of his injury, dislocating his hip, wrestling with this man, and he has nothing left. And here comes Esau, and he has no options. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. He put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. And he himself went before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So here is Jacob limping, wounded, beaten, broken, exhausted. If there was going to be a battle, it's not going to happen now because there is nothing Jacob can do. There's 400 men in Esau and a badly wounded Jacob with no sleep. Verse 4, though, it says, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And this is a beautiful reunion. It reminds us of the reunion with the prodigal son and his father. And I wonder, I wonder if Jacob is able to fully appreciate this reunion if he hasn't been beaten down the night before, if he doesn't have anything left the night before. Um, would, would Jacob have been prepared if there was going to be a battle? Um, I, I don't know. But what I do know is at this moment, he is as humbled as he can possibly be. He is broken. He is exhausted. 
and it helps him realize how much more this blessing of being with his brother is. Uh, in, in the movie 13 Hours, it, it's about the, the night of September 11, 2012, when militants attacked the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi and, and then a CIA outpost. There were six private U.S. security contractors who fought for 13 hours to protect that CIA compound from hundreds of militants who were staging attacks all night. And after sustaining crippling uh, attack after attack, and especially one very specific mortar attack right near the end of the night and into the morning, they're running low on ammunition, and they see this line of trucks heading to the front gate of the compound, and those contractors knew that this, this could be it. They don't have enough energy, they don't have enough ammunition, they don't have enough personnel to go another round. And seeing all these vehicles, they, they know they're overmatched. This, this, this is it. And then that is when they see someone in the caravan give the hand signal that they're friendly and they're there to evacuate them. And they have no choice but to trust them. And, and that's when, when they were saved out of that encounter. And Jacob is kind of in the same boat. He has no other option but to bow humbly before his brother. And that humility allowed him to see blessings that he wasn't expecting. He was not expecting to be kissed and hugged by his brother. Wrestling with God allowed Jacob to be the brother that he needed to be. Wrestling with God allowed him to stop wrestling with a fear of Esau and stop wrestling with that broken relationship. And sometimes it can be amazing how much a good wrestle with God will take away many of the burdens that you've been wrestling with in your life. We can wrestle with God and become better parents. We can wrestle with God and become better employees and better spouses. We can wrestle with God and be better members of our community for it. And it can humble us and it can make us realize, well, Tim, you're, you're not nearly what you thought you were but it can make us into better people. Wrestling with God can, can help us realize unforeseen blessings in our life. Wrestling with God can give us a brand new identity. And in verse 28, he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, um, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob was a completely different person after wrestling with God. Uh, now Jacob becomes Israel. He's no longer the deceptive, selfish young man, but a nation of God's chosen people, the 12 tribes. The story of Jacob turns, and we learn so much more about Israel and how, what an important part of the scheme of redemption and the story of the Old Testament that Israel became. When we wrestle with God and what He's done for us, uh, we can, and what we can do for Him we gain a new identity. When we put Christ on in baptism, we become a new creature. And that's exactly what Paul is saying and what Randy read for us in 2 Corinthians beginning in chapter 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. When we wrestle with God, when we allow Him to take hold of our life, 
when we submit to Him, when we allow that humiliation to occur, then we are able, then, then God is able to take us and shake us and shake off that old man and shake off those old habits and those old fears and the addictions and the problems. Not that they go away. <laughs> Not that we don't still struggle with some of those things. But instead of being a person who is managed by and who lives for those fears and those addiction and those, those problems and those habits, what we become is a new creature. A new creature who still struggles and wrestles with those, but he doesn't live for those anymore. A new creature that, that, whose life is managed by God. And sometimes we still make some of the same old mistakes that we do, but instead of our goal being to obtain whatever that thing that controlled our life is, now our goal is to be controlled by God. When, and we are a new creature, and that's what happens when we wrestle with God, is He'll make us a new creature. And I think the, the, the last thing to realize is re- when Jacob wrestled with God, God became his God. In chapter 31, if we backed up and, and looked when Jacob is arguing with Laban, he says in, in verse 42, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. Then in chapter 32, when he prays to God, when he's, when he's asking God for, for help against, uh, with, with Esau, he prays uh, in verse 9, and he says, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. And what we see is, at this point in Jacob's life, God is important to Jacob, but he was still the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He was still the God of his father and the God of his grandfather. And after he wrestles with God, he forms a relationship with God. And in chapter 33, when he goes to meet Esau and they have this beautiful reunion, he he tells Esau, he, he meets Esau and he says, these are the children that God gave me. And he tells Esau that God has dealt graciously with me. He doesn't say the God of our fathers has dealt graciously with me. He doesn't say the God of Abraham and Isaac has given me these children. He says God has given me these children. He has a different relationship with God. God has now become his God through the struggle. And that's very, very important. Because God can be a very important figure in our lives and I want parents to consider this because God can be a very important figure in your children's life but until we wrestle with God and until our children wrestle with God on their own he's our God and not theirs and it is very hard to allow a child to wrestle with God and it's very hard for to to allow a child to to, to question and, and, and go through some of these things. And, and, and it is a nature of a parent to shield and protect and to shelter our children in these times. But there's a time when our children need to wrestle with God on their own so that He can become their God. And there's a time that we need to wrestle with God on our own so that He can become our God. And what we see with Jacob is after he wrestles with God... God becomes his God. He's no longer the God of Isaac and God of Abraham. He's the God of Jacob. When our children wrestle with God, he will become their God. When we wrestle with God, he will become our God. But we have to have the courage 
to allow that to happen. And it's hard sometimes. I think the biggest thing we realize in all this, that wrestling with God produces winners. It always produces winners. When Jacob wrestled with God, there were no losers. Uh, They wrestled until the morning and no one lost. Both won. If we go into a wrestle with God, we will only come out stronger. Um, We'll come out better equipped. We'll come out more enlightened towards our direction to know what we're supposed to do. But we have to be willing to step into that ring, and that can be very scary. We have to be willing to sacrifice what what we think or what we believe or what we've held to for a long time, to struggle, to grapple, and to understand. It's the only way we can, we can grow uh, through that wrestle. God promises victory. There's so many people wrestling with things in their life right now, uh, things that are constantly beating them down, and we wonder, have they tried grappling with God lately? So many are fighting to keep Him out of their lives right now. So many in the world are, are pushing so hard to keep God out of everything they do when wrestling with God is the very thing that they need most. So the question tonight is, have you wrestled with God lately? Um, Perhaps you need to wrestle with the idea of becoming a Christian, putting Christ on in baptism. Maybe that's something you haven't really wrestled with and grappled with and thought about. And if if it's something that you need to wrestle with, we'd love to to talk to you about that and and help you uh, wrestle with that, help you stage that relationship with God so it's no longer just the God of, of my friends, the God of my parents, the God of my grandparents. He can be your God tonight through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. Or maybe there's something in your life that you've been wrestling with and it has worn you so far down that you don't have the energy or the strength to fight anymore. Whatever your needs may be, we'd love to help you. Please come as together we stand and sing. I need Thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like Thine can peace afford. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee, oh, me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour. Stay Thou near by. Temptations lose their power when Thou art nigh. I need Thee. Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me Thine indeed, 
Thou blessed Son, I need Thee, oh, I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. You may be seated. If there are those that are present here this evening that were unable to take the Lord's Supper or maybe you're at home online and are about to partake of the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing uh, the only verse of number 222. There's something about that name in preparation. If you need the, if you need the Lord's Supper or anything before we sing this song, would you raise your hand? I didn't see any hands raised. Let us sing. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master. Savior Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today just in awe. We are so thankful for the message today. We are so thankful for all that are here, all that are watching. And Father, we come before you. And we do this just as Jesus guided us. To remember the sacrifice that was Christ that he was born, that he lived, that he taught, and that he died all for us. And Father, as we take this, this bread that represents the body of Christ, we take this remembering the horrible death of Christ, but that he did it willingly for us. Father, he gave his body, you gave his body for each of us, for me for all of us. And fathers, we take this, we do this remembering Christ, and we do this, Father, with tremendous awe. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
Let's pray. And Father, just as Christ did, we now have the blood of Christ before us. And Father, he gave his blood so that we can be cleansed. And that blood is all-powerful. It washes away everything. Father, we cannot do it ourselves. Only Christ. Christ is the only way we come to you, Father. And as we, as we take this, we remember it's his blood that cleanses us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, at this time, we offer the blessing for this contribution. And Father, just as you gave, it is good for us to give, for us to give back, for us to give to the work, the work to spread your word, the work to support those of the church. Father, it's good for us to give. And it's good for us to give a lot. And Father, we know that when we give, we are blessed. Not because we expect anything in return, but it's because it's good for us to give. And Father, we ask that all that we give be used to further your kingdom. And Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll sing God be with you first and last verse of that song together. Let us sing. God be with you till we meet again. I just cancel God uphold you with his sleep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Till we meet, till we meet, till we meet at Jesus' feet. Till we meet, till we meet, God you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Keep love's banner floating o'er you. 
my death threatening way before you God be with you till we meet again till we meet till we meet till we meet at Jesus feet till we I wasn't given any announcements. Are there any? Okay, let's all bow our heads in for the prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, the close of another day of worship to you. We pray, dear God, that the things that we have said, the songs that we have sang, the prayers we have led, and the teachings that we have heard. We pray, dear God, they're all for your glory. We pray, dear God, that you will forgive us of all of our shortcomings and of all of our sins. We pray, dear God, for those of us that have lost loved ones. We pray, dear God, that you will be with the families. You will help them, dear God, to, to realize that this is the way it is. We know, dear God, that saying goodbye is hard to say. And we pray that you will be with them and comfort them. We pray, dear God, if there's anyone here that has not accepted you as their personal Savior, we pray, dear God, that you will have mercy and give them another opportunity to make that wrong a right. Go with us now, dear God, to our homes. Guide our footsteps. Help us to live better lives. Help us to be better Christians that you would have us to be. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.